0: Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of...
1: The Catalytic Converter Story Hour, brought to you by the Fundamentals. <laughs> oh, wait, no, it's, it's... I'm sorry. That's not, that's not right. That's, it's beneath the screen of the Ultra. <gasps> Look at that. That was weird. Um, hi, I'm Thad, uh, making Jeremiah laugh to uh, break up the introduction since whenever I feel like
0: <laughs> And we are joined, as always, by our co-host, Kara. Oh, no. <laughs>
1: yes, always. You're trapped here.
0: Um, we're trapped with her. She's not trapped with us. wait!
2: No, hey, that's mean. Shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, um, we're going to be looking at two movies that are disturbingly similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, look. It
1: turns out that when screwed up things happen in history, you can tell different stories about yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> we are looking at Shane Black's I uh, 2016's uh, The Nice Guys and Steven Soderbergh's 2021 No Sudden Move. Mm-hmm. Both of them about the big three fucking over America. <laughs> yeah, for decades. Yeah.
1: It's important to note that while the, the, the core, like, MacGuffin of these movies is the same thing. Uh, they take place decades apart.
0: They take place decades apart, places. and they both go about it in the unique, like, their own way. Yeah. Um, have you seen either one of these before? No. I had not, no. Uh, Kara? No. All right. so, uh, uh, I had, obviously because I'm the one that suggested it, but re-watching <laughs> them, I found it interesting that Shane Black's Nice Guys is very much... Like, the big three is almost a MacGuffin. Like, it's Mm. the engine that drives the plot along, but, like, it's almost like trying to smuggle it into a mainstream movie. While No Sudden Move is attempting to show, like, the myriad of ways they fuck you over.
1: Yeah. I feel, well, yeah, the the way that the, the sort of car companies exist in The Nice Guys is much more abstract. Yeah. Uh... Considering we get actual representatives from car companies showing up uh, in the the back uh, third of no Sutton Movie. and
0: also both movies have a weird way—not a weird, but like a unique way of drawing attention that they are in fact a movie, like commenting mm-hmm. on themselves. With the nice I mean, guys, I mean. is Shane Black usually do- doing that thing where he's constantly calling attention that if this will a movie or like a movie, he's talking about story conventions. <laughs> I mean, the-
1: I mean the ultimate one has got to be uh Ryan, Ryan Gosling's uh March uh, deciding that he can't be killed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um so we're going to start off with uh, with No Sudden Move because Knife Guys is going to be a blast to talk about and when I go out on a high note.
1: Yeah. I mean it, to me, No Sudden Move is a great It move. is. It, it's full of excellent It athletes. is. But man, it is tense.
0: It's tense and also not near like... I don't listen. They don't have the brilliant use of Richard Nixon. Which we'll get to. (laughs) (laughs) A moment that had me... I kid you not. I almost choked on my own spell. Yeah. Both times.
2: Well, stop doing that. Stop doing
0: what? Uh, But no sudden move. uh, Steven Soderbergh, a director who... Unlike Shane Black, doesn't really have a style per se, so much as whatever mood he's no. in. Oh.
1: See, it, Steven Soderbergh is a director that you'll think you know what he does based on, like, the the biggest movie you remember right. him from, but then if you look at his filmography, dude does everything. He does, like,
0: five movies a year, and you never know about them till like, a week before they come out. And this is after yeah, he like retired. When.
1: When when Kara and I were talking about uh, well, before we uh, watched No Sudden Move, I was I was going through Soderbergh's uh, uh, filmography and trying to figure out like okay, which what would I identify him as? For for Kara, I, I went with Erin Brockovich Hi. because she is a a big Julia Roberts I fan. Am.
0: Have you seen Ticket to Paradise? Uh,
1: what?
2: I have not.
0: Okay, it's good. I think you'd like it.
1: And I honestly couldn't decide what was most indicative of Soderbergh in my mind. Oceans 11? Probably the Oceans. Either movie, that or Traffic. I was going to be honest. Yeah. Because Traffic was huge I when we it younger. the Oceans movies. Actually, the one that I'm maddest about myself for not having seen is I haven't seen his Kafka movie, although it sounds exactly like something I would watch.
0: Which one is that?
2: Something uh,
1: 1991. Really he directed. I haven't seen that one. Uh, I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 91. He directed a movie. He directed a movie called Kafka, oh! which is uh, to quote the Wiki- yeah to quote the Wikipedia page, uh, ostensibly a biopic based on the life of Franz Kafka. Right. The film blurs the lines between fact and Kafka's fiction. Which yeah, that sounds like me. Uh, Steven
0: Soderbergh is the real director who's able to do, and I mean this literally, whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs>
2: Uh, his movie yeah. about Kafka is ironically about bugs. What? No. Um, mm.
1: <laughs> Although I mean, I think honestly, I think a more contemporary audience might know him better from Contagion.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thinking about Dan Olson's YouTube video about Contagion.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Contagion had a big moment uh, uh, again, like a couple years ago. I can't remember why. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Because we- because there's not a pandemic. right like, it's over. Everything is fine. <laughs>
2: Yeah. There is no war in Boston the flu
1: <laughs> mild mild flu mild flu um. we've always been at war with East COVID. <laughs>
0: K, uh, do you know, want to describe? You did we- a
2: better one than mine. Makes me resentful.
0: <laughs> I don't think
1: mine was better than yours. <laughs>
2: no, it was much. Anyway, clever. we should talk mine about. Mine was straightforward. Yours had a witticism to it. That's. I'm done. Okay, I'm sick we of it. I'm sick
1: of we it. We should talk about this movie that we watched. K, hey, do you want uh, to, to describe? If we-, if we could talk about Steven Soderbergh's insane filmography, literally forever. Ah, uh, you okay, want to describe
0: I the to plot for No and Sudden I Move? Ended.
2: I do.
1: Yeah, Kara, Kara, please, please succinctly describe the plot of a Steven Soderbergh <laughs> crime movie for us.
2: <clears throat> Hi, <James>. Hello?
0: <laughs> dramatic. Uh.
2: That's it. No, I'm okay, kidding. Okay, I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> it's dramatic hijinks. Um, so, no sudden move. There's going to have to be a lot that is frustratingly skipped over because it is both hard to perceive in the moment and it is very difficult to explain the switchbacks and also it's even more difficult if you kind of... we. I guess that we are the spoiler crew. Um, maybe we should have named ourselves into that. <laughs> but, yeah, um, who
1: cares? We're going to tell you what happens in this movie. But it
2: has, uh, Don Cheadle and Benicio Del Toro are two men of a crew of three that are told that are low-level criminals of some kind and they are told hey they're all strangers to each other they're like hey you're gonna go um this guy's boss has something that we want and we are you're gonna go babysit his family We're, we're gonna one of us is gonna go with him to the office to get the stuff and then we're gonna come back and everything's gonna be fine it's gonna be no big deal and then everything turns into a shit show and they suddenly realize that what was supposed to be a simple smash and grab actually slowly turns into a conspiracy, which is that the Cadillac Converter, which will be hugely, hugely valuable, is being bought and suppressed by various members of the car industry and p- various people have found out about it are trying to get it and buy it, while at the same time both of these men are on the shit list of somebody named Frank and Don Cheadle's characters, Uh, Goins is on even more shitless and has very recently got out of prison. He is, in his own way, an honorable professional. Benicio Del Toro is not. Is not honorable, nor professional. And so, (laughs) as things change and flip, finally, Goins manages to carefully set everything up where the cards stack in his favor. He walks away with what's his, alive and well. And is kind of the only person that doesn't end up completely host and destroyed because he is the only one that does not screw people until they screw him first.
1: Uh, Uh, So yeah, there's a. It takes
2: place in the um. God, was it what year? Does it take place? Nineteen fifty four. Fifty four, I believe. Um. Yeah. And it's it's just really good, and Don Cheadle is really great in it because he uh.
0: He's fantastic.
2: It's hard to explain, but he doesn't pretend to be, as an actor is fantastic, but in this he's sort of very much himself, which is a guy who has kind of a quiet energy and not like a super strong, booming, threatening voice, but everything he says, he says with absolute sincerity and conviction and he has no need to show off or prove himself or do anything ridiculous and he has this very calm certainty about everything he does. The, it's not intimidating, but it is. I don't know. It's 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 interesting to have a character that you like and respect so much who isn't like wacky hygiene. Like Don guy. Cheadle. <laughs> like it's
1: Don Cheadle is is a man who is very easily described as compelling. Yes. Like.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so. The... So
2: speaking of traffic, I think this is very funny because Balnicio Del Toro has like zero, very little accent in this movie compared to some of his other roles, which I thought was interesting. I'm like, am I misremembering him, or is he not doing that anymore?
0: Well, it's also he's in the movie; he's at the very least passing white. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think they're trying to do a comment on the diff, like the differences of how blacks perceived as opposed to others.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: And there, there are subplots about um, neighborhoods being. Uh, bought up and gentrified there's of course a great I don't think it's quite a cameo but kind of at the end of Matt Damon who plays a villain Matt Damon has a second
0: go ahead go ahead
2: capitalism and like eugenic racism and how people like him always win in the end and he kind of does win in the end much to his own surprise but also kind of doesn't realize (laughs) what it is that other people are wanting and therefore, he hasn't won, but he got what like he imagine did. a
1: kind of imagine a kind of more bumbling and affable version of the executive from the end of network. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, well, Matt Damon has a second career of just showing up and shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Interstellar popped in my head. Real Interstellar hard. Like, Thor uh,
0: Ragnarok, mm-hmm. like <laughs> uh, and like he'll do cameos with just a small role. And God help me, despite the crypto bullshit, love it. Like, it's, every time I'm like, yeah. hey, Matt Damon! <laughs> and yeah, he nails God, it!
1: Guy's charming. Can't, cannot help it. And he does these <laughs>
2: very, like, sinisterly, affable people who very much believe in the BS they're sp- Okay, so yeah, like, the crypto, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's also, like, uh, yes. that speech he gives, he all talked about, like, I'm a big fan of characters showing up in the end. <laughs> only to poo, only to like they've always been there or whatever mm-hmm. but also yeah. going yeah. i i i make so much money that it doesn't even matter whatever i lose i end up making yeah, in my that's... sleep mm-hmm. and then yeah, by the end it's, he's it's gained it's really more annoying.
1: money <laughs> yeah we see it literally hat because like that's the thing is like you're expecting to never see him again after he right. leaves and then you literally see him end up with more money than
0: he started with. And then which surprises it.
2: surprises uh, him, which is funny given his speech.
0: <laughs> well, not so that uh, he also said, like, you also see another way he keeps it is by he doesn't give it away. He instead is mm. like, oh, I'd I cut you in, but you know. Hey, you want an 88 bottle of bourbon? <laughs> <laughs> like, he just uh, made easily, from, if I remember correctly, like 70000 extra dollars.
1: Yeah. It's meaningless to him. It's amazing. Um And he's treating I mean, the eighty eight dollars like,
0: like it's a grand gift.
1: Like there's a, there's also a lot of like great touched like things that are sort of touched on and moved past in this movie in terms of like dynamic social dynamics of the era. Um because we also have like the the tension that's already in the uh the, the Wirtz family, the family that is David uh, Hobbit's is family. Sort of Yeah. Uh and also like uh, talking of uh, of Goins, like Don Cheadle, like, he picks up a suitcase uh, that he left behind with someone?
0: Well, like, either his sister or I his like... wife. I like the fact that it's not clear. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's unclear. Like, all there is to go on is a family tension that is unspoken of in the movie. Right. And because it's not ours, we literally, as the audience, are cut out from it the same way anyone else would be in real life. Because it's not our business. It's theirs. right. It's really good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and also, Södenberg does this thing where he always casts the right actors for the role, if that makes any sense. Because mm. Brendan yes. Fraser is so good in this movie.
2: Oh. And, like, Frazier this is a mo- this movie oh, for a total of, like, maybe 12 minutes at max. <laughs> and every part of him is great. <laughs> it's like,
0: in a movie with a stack cast, Brendan Fraser and I think maybe... Uh, Julia Fox, who plays uh, Del Toro's uh, girlfriend or the Mist Fank's wife, are like my two mm-hmm. favorites.
1: Paramore. I I mean I always have a soft spot for Kieran Culkin. He's really uh, good. Who plays an, an a magnificent piece of shit. Uh. It,
2: it, it, it's amazing again because like talking about sort of like intensity, Kieran Culkin does not have a very like huge presence. He's not a big man, and he doesn't have like a deep voice. He has kind of like like a almost like a little bit of a voice that like cracks, almost like an adolescent voice in some ways. Right. And you completely (laughs) believe that he is a scary man. Yeah. Just (laughs) from that, just just the way that he speaks with confidence and holds himself. And like that, that's acting, but it's also like good direction that you have multiple men in this movie who are like, wow, that's a guy you should take seriously without doing movie villain shit.
0: Well, it's also like the script by Ed Solomon, the way characters talk, it is as if it is they exist in a world that goes on before and after the movie
1: yes it's so wild to me that this is ed <laughs> solomon and i and i i say that like that no shade i love ed solomon <laughs> he has written several of my favorite movies of all right. time including all of the movies. bill and ted movies and the super mario brothers movie from 1993 <laughs> <laughs> which rules
0: shut up it does <laughs> But yeah, no, like it's 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 uh, a little it's a different angle than what he normally does, and like yeah, and also like with Peter Andrews uh, cinematographer, the fish islands throughout the entire movie, you're constantly given yeah. the feeling like you are just peeping into this world for like two hours. Yeah,
1: like it, it really, like for a minute, I was wondering if I had screwed something up, like with the TV, oh, like the anamorphic uh, widescreen or like, something. Wait, it, yeah, like is it trying to is it doing a widescreen? But no, after a while, it's like oh no, this is. like doing a thing right
0: and like after a while you almost don't even notice it
1: yeah i would have loved to have seen this in a theater uh just real real lovely film
0: uh but also like every scene is like its own separate story and yet it's still Mm -hmm. constantly moving forward if that makes any sense
1: It very much it feels like a crime novel because there's a lot of interconnecting plots that are uh like it takes its time to, to spin them out, like and and it and you can end the movie and be like, wait, wait, what? What? Because uh, what? Like so much happens as the the wheels start really coming together in the end. That it, it's very easy to be like, wait, hold on, what? The, like
0: the the, the right, this, I, this. I, hmm?
2: Well, I also want to add that, like, so so you have these movies that have these sort of. Um, so I'm thinking like the ending of Ocean's Eleven, right? Right. The ending of Ocean's mm. Eleven is the culmination of lots of different clues. That all come together in this very v- way that has you like, oh, like blah, blah, blah. It like feels like a video game or a Rube Gold- Goldberg machine. Right. That is not what hmm. this feels like. Like, it feels like no. that things happen because things happen. Because there's a constant moving world of however many billion people lived in 1954 that are all doing things. And that Goins is about the only one who's smart enough to anticipate what other people are likely going to do. But he's also not a genius. He's just right. smart and paying attention. So, like, the end yeah. does not feel like this climactic, you know, Rube Goldberg after 20-some-odd minutes of watching all of these things click into place. Like, suddenly the domino falls. It's, mm. it what feels I, more, I don't know, it feels like a very real movie in a way that's... Well, I, I think the... yeah.
1: I think contrasting it with the Ocean's movies is is good because like an Ocean's movie has a reveal at the end mm-hmm. like it is do like they are doing a trick. Right, it's very this much movie a, a the is sting. Not, it is telling you a yeah. St- yeah. There's a sting. Yeah, it's yeah, the sting. Uh like the, but this one is very simply telling you a story. Yes. Like there isn't a reveal at the end. You just see the outcomes of it. The action. first
0: time yes. you watch and, No and, Sudden Move and that and that call yeah. comes up you're like, "Wait, this was a movie about this?" I don't it almost felt like it almost feels like I that came out of nowhere. But then the the more you watch the movie you're like, oh, I see, it's all over the place. It's the redlining. Yeah. It's the people being kicked out of the house. It's the Yeah, it's a very gentrification of neighborhood.
2: It doesn't feel unfinished or disorganized. It doesn't feel like it's losing track of what mm-hmm. it's talking about or where it's at. It just it feels it's an entire movie that's in medias res.
0: Right, and <laughs> also, I think also... Yeah, it feels very naturalistic. The you know? opening scene, where Don Cheadle walks into the barbershop, and he's, like, wanting to meet with the guy, and it's like he's in the alley, and the guy, is he white? And he goes, yeah. And you can just see on Don Cheadle's face of, what the hell did she get me into? The, the movie, <laughs> within, like, yeah. the first minute, recognizes 1950s, the awe. R- like, you do not go into a, a black man going to an alley into the backseat of a car with a white man is a dangerous situation for that black man. Like, it mm-hmm. understands that racism exists. And is, in yeah. fact, an underlying and thing also, throughout it, the entire movie, up to and including, uh, Benicio Toro. like, you think I'd be okay with this? When he realizes he has to work with Gorns.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, and also just the, um, it telling you a lot about the, the, like, the, the, the situation that Goins is in before we know anything right. about it. Like, what he's willing to do to try and sort his uh, his his life out uh, is something, like, we don't learn details about until much Also, later. I'm going
0: to mention uh, one more person who also almost walked away with the movie, and that's Bill Duke as Aldrich mm-hmm. Watkins, who is absolutely the coolest oh, motherfucker yeah. in this movie.
1: <laughs> Just perfect gangster energy. Like, he really... Like, yeah, you look at that guy and be like, that guy ha- that guy feels no, no fear because he has all the power he, like, in the in whatever situation he, he is, is. Clearly
0: in. doing um, this because he was like, you know what, I'm bored. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, I also like the final interaction between him between uh, uh, Watkins and Goins is really like the the cap on what Kara is talking about in, in in terms of like uh, Don Cheadle's character's sort of whole deal is like he trusts Watkins and doesn't want anything extra right. from him. He just he wants to settle the score and go on his business. It's very like, I want my 93 grand, <laughs> and I don't want anything well, else.
0: also, um, it's set in the Midwest, and it feels like the Midwest. <laughs> like, the moment... I mean,
2: the fact that everything is uh, gray and vaguely dirty and somewhat <laughs> sad and sordid, yeah, I, would, I would agree.
0: No, I was more than talking about, like, like, a perfect example, Amy Simons, who plays the mother of the family that's being held hostage... Yeah, and she gives mm-hmm. the bird feeder to the visiting mother. It's like, yeah, no, she can't come. Here's the bird feeder, and she's looking yeah. out the window. And she says, well, that's not going to be the end of that." Now I'm like, I know that. I know that. That's a Midwestern face. <laughs> uh, at least it feels like it, it to like it. me because my mom says it all the time.
2: Uh, for for our audience's uh, edification, I am a born and bred Midwesterner. I have lived in Illinois almost my whole life so, so oh shut
1: up you lived in arizona for years you're tainted
0: <laughs> scandal
2: but it's been decades and so when you're like yeah that's a very midwestern thing to say i was like oh because i say that now like all the time <laughs> <laughs> and at the end of that. well also
1: like it's also interesting because like i feel like detroit is the is one of those cities that is claimed by a lot of different zones yeah because um, it's, like, on the edge of what we could count as the Midwest. But it also,
0: uh, like, mentions a lot of the, places, like, Kansas City. I almost never hear Kansas City yep. pop up in a movie. Right. And also, it's the last line. I didn't line. know
1: Kansas City was real. <laughs> I didn't know Kansas City was real in movies.
0: <laughs> Outside of the movie Kansas City. Well, Kansas City Confidential. plus some movies. Um, but, yeah, um, also Ray Liotta. Ah,
1: oh, poor one out.
0: But, like... Well, going back to Brendan Feige, yes, let's do the he way he delivers a line to them inside the restaurant. It's like this is offensive <laughs> <laughs> because it's so sloppy.
2: <laughs> yeah, everything sort of turns into a, a shit show, and like Brendan shows up to be like Jesus Christ, like in this <laughs> <laughs> embarrassed. Well.
1: Well, the the restaurant confrontation is great because we as audience members don't know exactly what's going right. on. like there's a few different plan, like a few different people are trying to get the the leg up, and it's it's a great moment of things going well, wrong. Well, and even
0: then, they uh, literally have that great line of the no problem with you Russo is you don't realize how smart you not you're not, so you don't realize. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
2: yeah, Russo is. And again, the only sort of honest, straightforward person in this is Goines, who says exactly what he plans to do, exactly what he wants to do. He does the thing that he agreed to and he doesn't want again, more than what's his. Like everybody else has so much greed right. in this movie. So much greed and desire. Like we could get more money, we could get more. I could, you know, have this thing that I want or that thing that I want. And Goines is like, I want to go to Kansas City. I do not want someone who's very angry with me to be trying to murder me. <laughs> that is the goal. Uh, Let the work commence.
1: Well, there's also a great like you can sort of track the kind of uh, jerk that Russo is be- uh, from from his relationship with Goins because Russo doesn't get better. Yeah, you he just uh, like. One of the first, one of the early conversations between uh, Russo and Charlie, uh, Kieran Culkin's character, when they think Goines uh, is asleep, is Russo starts going on a racist rant about how like black people always want more right. and, and blah blah blah. And later on, when Goins and Russo are in hiding together, getting ready to sort of play their their hand with the once they have the catalytic converter plans and everything, Russo is like, you know, I was just thinking, like uh, Russo and, and Goines are like we could get more out of this <laughs> uh, uh, and Go- and russo's like yeah <laughs> we could and goins is the one who ends up not doing that but it, it's it's very clear from the dynamic that goins was i think kind of testing what russo wh- how russo was going to screw this right. up because he he'd clearly been pretending to be asleep earlier well and he was but like it's great because russo is what he accuses uh, other people going of back to what
0: karen mentioned uh, about benicio del toro Matt Damon brings up the fact, like he calls in his last name into question. It's like because <laughs> a German last name doesn't do well uh, after World War Two, mm-hmm. and John <laughs> Tita has that great lineup. Yeah, 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 I hear you. Jim last name, that's a real, that's a real handicap. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that
0: was such a good delivery. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, it must have been real rough. But <laughs> um,
0: he 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 mentions Russo, and it's like, is he talking about the fact that I? Being Italian for a while in America meant a second-class citizenship, or is he mentioning? Or is he talking about that? Maybe he changed his last name to Russo.
1: Yeah, because like that—that's not unheard of in American history right. either. Is people trying basically like slipping from a, a one marginalized category to like a less right, marginalized and one. it's one
0: of the things again. Like, there's so much unexplained in the movie. um... Oh, there are love it.
2: several people who insinuate that they know who Rosso is and that he had some kind of legitimate job and existence at some point. Right. And it's like, well, and we don't know what it is, but like, It's interesting because it's like, oh, so Russo, you didn't have to be a thief and a grifter. (laughs) You had a life with options. Yeah. And you choose to be like this. Where with Goins, it's kind of more clear that, like, the options were always very small. And he does not choose to be like this.
0: Um, There's a moment with Amy Simons and the Finn's wife. Was she? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved it because it has nothing to do with anything else except these people. And the, if, when she asked, like, we should go on a vacation together. And mm-hmm. I'm like, are oh, you want?" It felt like it was, like, an, impl- impl- an imp- implying of a relationship beyond friendship. Because yeah. she has a response of, not. good luck explaining that.
2: And then she touches her, like, reaches yeah. out and touches her friend's face. And it's like, right. oh... Like, yeah.
0: And it's the fact that also everyone is lying to everyone except, as Kevin mentioned, Goins.
1: <laughs> yeah. Goins is very straightforward because he doesn't get to right. lie. Like, that's. Like, lies cost, and he doesn't have a lot to say. But
0: the way Ed Solomon constructs the unraveling of the plan mm-hmm. by simple little things as he took the paper home. Mm-hmm. So now they have to go to. There's a dark comedy to this, like when Benicio D'Otoro's like, yeah. I've had a long day. I'm just going to cover you up, okay? And you're supposed <laughs> yeah. to blanket over the woman, takes off the mask, and that's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, But also just good. David Harbour going, uh, I love my job, and beating the crap out of his boss. I love my job, sir.
2: I also, one thing I, I do really like is, um oh shit, I lost the thread. Just de- derailed.
1: Okay, well, I'll, I'll oh, no, go with about, one that I was thinking about Uh
2: The oh. family, and sorry, I, I remember it now. I got it back. Tragedy. Um, but so so these men break into this house, and they're taking this family hostage. And the mom kind of has her panic moment where she tries not to cry or scream. And then there's a moment where I think she's talking to her son, and her son, like, clearly wants to fight these armed men that broke into their house. And she grabs her son, I think, and whispers into his ear they're wearing masks because they don't want to hurt us. Yeah. She has recognized Mm. what is happening that when masked men, you know, go into your house because they want something, it is easier for them to leave. These men have an intention of leaving. And actually that becomes a plot point later. Or one of the guys walks into the house with no mask on. And it's clear like, Oh, he intends to kill this entire family. But like, Mm -hmm. that was just such a moment of, she had her first initial panic reaction. And then like, intelligence took over so like people are intelligent in this that they might just be a dumb person but they do not do movie things
0: (laughs) well it's a it's a movie that very much like elmore leonard novels understands that there are different levels of intelligence that dumb people have smart moments and smart people have dumb moments
1: i think the the different levels thing is also good a good comparison that this movie also shows that there are different levels of misery like you are net with the exception of maybe Watkins, I don't think we ever see it, or I think any of the people at the end, like Watkins or any of the executives, like, especially Lohan, uh Matt Damon's character, but no one is not miserable. <laughs> uh, like, the there's the misery of the white suburban family, there's the misery of, like, the ex-con, and these are not put on equal footing in any sense, they're just all equally present. Yeah. Like... It's it's not, like, which I appreciate, like, a a, 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 a a poorly made movie would try to do, like, oh, aren't we all just suffering together, if you think about No, it's just, it's a movie about people, and people right. suffer. Like, it doesn't mean it's the same, but it is, like, it's hard not to. Um,
0: but also, yeah, it's so well constructed. The visuals of it all, like, it gets, de- there are so many scenes like the one we described with the wife and the possible girlfriend girlfriend of which yeah question right, of which we don't really know the whole story like david harbour's character yeah. with the secretary clearly they had an affair but yeah. now it's over but she went back to her husband and now they're moving on with the plan um like, yeah, but it's, like it's, it's so much <laughs> but like i said like ev- like you bought, but like it does feel like it has a literary feel to it but also being very cinematic mm-hmm and yet, moving on to the Nice Guys, that feels yeah like um like an old school movie in a way that so does no sudden yeah. move like the font of the credits and the style of the noir kind of feels like a fifties noir.
2: Yeah,
1: and the soundtrack just yeah solid.
0: And then you get the Nice Guys, which is without a doubt a Shane Black movie. Minus there's no Christmas, oh, but the dialogue there, the sense of humor, and the Way characters monologue and talk to each other.
1: Oh yeah, like the like buddy cop master is back. <laughs> uh, I, ca- I cannot not love uh, love Shane Black being on his.: Well, uh, he also covered it's...
0: with this with Anthony uh, Bagrosi. or hmm. So this isn't a pure Shane Black, but yeah. it, like it's clear, like he, it's That's impossible fine. not to see his fingerprints.
1: Hey, look! It's good straight. It's good as a mixer. Right. I don't care. Uh, Kara, <laughs> do you want to describe
0: uh, the nice guys? Uh,
2: I do. I would also like to add that Ryan Gosling screams at several points in this, <laughs> and he screams like a startled '50s housewife seeing a mouse. He's like, ah! Like, <laughs> <he's> <laughs> amazing. Um,
0: uh, uh, he's a revelation in this movie, and I mean that in all. Like, it's rare to see a movie star in a movie and just be like. Oh crap! Do you have untapped potential? <laughs> oh
2: yeah. yeah, like he's got chops. <laughs> um, he's he's isn't he one of the Disney? Yeah, Disney yeah. Vat he kids? he
1: was grown in the Disney vats. Uh, yeah, just like Kurt Russell was.
2: Um. So uh, our main character, well, not our main characters, but um. So we have Russell Crowe as Jackson Healy and Ryan Gosling as Holland March. We have Healy and March. Uh, Healy is sort of a non-licensed neighborhood tough guy, who's again in his own way very professional, kind of a tw- kind of a jerk, and he gets paid to tell people to stop. So he gets paid to rough people up. He gets paid to say stop bothering that girl. Whatever it is, he has a little bit of a heart of gold, but also is a little bit of a monster. And Holland March is a very sad, down-as-look alcoholic who is a widower with a young daughter, and he is an official PI. He has a lot more money than Healy does, and that's because he helps senile old people find their husbands and wives who have disappeared but are actually dead because they have dementia. (laughs) (laughs) He is a con artist, a scoundrel, a little bit of a thief, He does have a few places where he draws the line, but more because he feels too guilty to go forward than because he has any actual code of honor. And uh, March begins to look into the disappearance. Um, uh, A young uh, worker, an adult actress, Misty Mountains has died and her great aunt uh, insists that she has seen Misty and hires March to find her. And he begins to look around for a woman named uh, Amelia. And this does not go well because Amelia hires Healy to force him to stop. And their first interaction between Healy and March is that Healy breaks into March's house and uh, breaks his arm (laughs) (laughs) and tells him to leave him alone and then says, this isn't personal. And then later, somebody breaks into Healy's house to demand to know where Amelia is. At which point, he says, it is unprofessional to murder my fish. Why did you break in here? (laughs) He says to one of the guys, you're killing my fish. Is that what you came in here for? To kill fish? You're ridiculous. (laughs) Um, And he doesn't know how to find anybody because he's a tough guy. He is not a find guy. So he goes to March, who is very displeased to see him, and explains that he will pay March to find Amelia so he can find out the people who screwed him. And uh, March finally agrees to, and they begin to embark on a conspiracy. Which involves them, amongst other things, going to was obviously now uh, a stand-in for a Playboy Mansion type house party in the 1970s, full of porn stars. Um, and Ryan Gosling characters get so drunk that he falls off of a balcony and finds a corpse. At which point they also yell, "Also, don't that no one would believe that? That's like a movie. Who finds a corpse like this?" <laughs>
1: So don't, also, don't forget that his uh, his young daughter follows them to the, like, porno party. Yeah. Uh.
2: Um, and there's a bunch of find the girl, <laughs> lose the girl, find the girl, lose the girl. Uh, you go that way, I go this way, then they switch paths, back and forth. And eventually, everything finally comes together where they get hired by the girl's mother, and it's explained that the girl believes that she has information... Um, that the government is involved in a huge conspiracy and when they finally find the girl she explains that the information is that there is a cadillac converter that there is something that will stop the pollution that's killing the birds and destroying the world and it has been hidden deep in the files of nowhere by the big three car companies and that her mother is in on the conspiracy to do it and is trying to get her killed at which point she is in fact killed uh, she has, uh, all of this information she has, she has developed into an artistic <clears throat> pornographic film, <laughs> so that way people will watch it, and it has now been spliced into the footage at a major car show, so all of our clowns head off to the car show to try and play the footage, keeping the other people who should not have it away from it, which involves several shootouts, fallings, Ryan Gosling determining that he cannot die, Healy agreeing not to murder someone who very much deserves it, so that way his new best friend, who is a 13-year-old child, will still like him, and eventually (laughs) ends with everything coming out, nobody going to jail or getting in any trouble, and Healy and March realizing that they work together wonderfully and will be their own private PI. It also includes one of the best scenes in which these men, without talking to each other, walk up to interview a bartender, (laughs) and March says, answer my questions. And he'll stop doing that. And the bartender <laughs> says, "Doing what?" And Hilly reaches forward, grabs the bartender's tie, and slams his face into the counter. Yeah,
1: it's literally the only time their dynamic actually. Well, works.
0: I we can, I can do, do this say, the... This
2: is not pre-planned. They are simply both these kinds of terrible people.
0: We can do this the easy way, or well, uh, this is the way. Well, actually, this. is... <laughs>
2: We're doing it the uh, hard way, but it, it, it could be easier. It could be easier. Uh,
1: yeah, there's there's also a great like cast of side characters. Uh, I'm always pleased to see Keith David, who is one of the tough guys. Keith uh, David, by uh, the way, used, used well. Shows up. Not
0: just a waste of Keith David. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, he, he's doing a you great job. You gotta play something? Uh,
2: <laughs> it's, it's great because Russell Crowe is very much the straight man who is like, why am I working with an idiot? What... What are all these people doing? Can I just say The scene Is hysterical Every (laughs) moment of every day In absolute hysterics He is a clown And Ryan Gosling If he's not having fun It looks like he is
0: The scene with him moving the dead body Oh man And there's just a whole conversation of like you fell down that hill You did? You fell down that hill? You're going to try to pass it off as some Secret aspect of being a detective. It's wet. Why are you wet? I had to go swimming with the mermaids. Why? I
1: I had to ask the mermaids (laughs) if they'd seen Amelia.
0: And what were you doing while I was working? (laughs) The indignation of their (laughs) lives. Followed up by Uh, them tossing uh, their body into a garden party.
2: There's also uh, a great... I love a good elevator scene where they're riding up in the elevator. (laughs) They see somebody falling on the outside of the elevator. The door's open. They see someone get shot. Healy goes to take a step out and march very quietly, just pushes the door and back down the elevator.